That's right, I'm back, and welcome back to episode two of the Marxism Podcast. I am Mark Jarrett, and today I will be talking about a country I've been completely obsessed with for many years now, which is North Korea. And more specifically, I'll be talking about North Korea's presence in Syria. Of course, North Korea has been in the news, flexing its nuclear muscles in the direction of the United States and its allies. However, I'm going to steer things in a different direction today, towards North Korea's involvement in foreign countries, and more specifically, in Syria. Now, many people who may be listening to this are unaware of the fact that North Korea has directed its military presence in various places around the world, and one of those places is, in fact, Syria. North Korea is involved in supporting the Assad regime, and in fact, the Kim family and the Assads go way back to the 1960s. And in that case, let's go on a little historical journey, shall we? North Korea has a long history of supplying Damascus and the Assads with armored vehicles, anti-tank weapons, rifles, artillery, helping build nuclear reactors, and even supplying Syria with chemical weapons. To be even more specific, North Korea actually has a long history of boots on the ground in the Middle East, or technically, in the sky. Especially in the case of the Arab-Israeli wars. The first introduction to North Korean soldiers starting a presence in the Middle East began 50 years ago in 1967 during the Six-Day War when Pyongyang sent 25 pilots to Syria. In 1973, during the Yom Kippur War, 30 pilots were sent to both Egypt and Syria. In 1975 and 1976, 40 pilots and 75 Air Force instructors were sent to Syria to provide training, and apparently even flew during the combat missions against Israel. During the 1980s, North Korea sent special operations forces to Syria to help train the conventional Syrian Arab army and its allies in insurgency tactics. In 1984 to 1986, 50 military instructors were sent to Syria, and in 1990, 30 instructors were sent. North Korean soldiers also allegedly operated truck-mounted rocket launchers in which weapon systems were supplied by Pyongyang during the 1982 Islamic uprising in the city of Hama in Syria, when Syrian forces crushed the Muslim Brotherhood of Syria with roughly 25,000 civilians being killed when the city was shelled with artillery. North Korea also built a nuclear reactor in Syria that ended up being destroyed in 2007 by none other than the Israeli Air Force. In 2014, North Korea sold a number of MANPADS, which stand for Man Portable Air Defense System. North Korea has also sold Scud C transporter erector launchers and cluster warheads to support Assad's atomic and chemical weapons program. They have also been believed to be the main supplier of chemical weapons to Syria. According to a university professor from Angelo State University in Texas named Bruce Bechtal, who specializes in Korean relations, claims that he would be shocked and surprised if the nerve agent used on April 4th of this year by Assad was not supplied by North Korea. North Korea apparently supplies nerve agents VX with sarin, along with other chemical weapons, and the North Korean technicians built the facilities that put together serious chemical weapons as well as the methods to deliver them. However, Turkey has intercepted many shipments of North Korean weapons, with Turkey most recently intercepting a shipment in late August that apparently had chemical weapons on it. But many shipments still get through. Many of them are done by sea, but also done by air, and are concealed by pretending to sell regular commodities such as cement. So to move along, and with the exception of using chemical weapons and trading weapons, how significant is North Korea's presence in Syria? Well, apparently there are two North Korean military units in Syria called Chalma-1 and Chalma-2, 
or Chalma 7, various sources say different things, and according to a few reports, they are considered to be quote-unquote lethally dangerous. Anywhere between 11 to 15 Arab-speaking North Korean officers are deployed on several fronts. Now, there are no pictures of North Korean soldiers in action and no statistics of whether North Korean soldiers have been captured, wounded, or even the number of casualties, but apparently in a battle in 2013, North Korean soldiers were a prime component in defeating anti-government forces in the Battle of Kusair. I hope I'm saying that correctly. More so, according to an article from The Diplomat, and this is in quotes, Arab-speaking North Korean military advisors were essential to the operational planning of the surprise attack and artillery campaign execution during the battle for Kusair. Despite there not being any pictures of North Korean soldiers in Syria, there are, however, pictures of North Korean weapons being used. A machine gun known as the Type 73, which is only made in North Korea, has been sighted in Syria. And not only in Syria, but is used by the Iranian army, Hezbollah, and even the Houthis in Yemen. Now, you may be wondering, what the hell does North Korea get out of being involved in Syria? Well, the reality is, what doesn't North Korea get out of being involved in Syria? Their soldiers are getting real combat experience. Advisors will get insight on how their Soviet-era equipment functions on the field and how it matches up to Western military equipment. They also will gain insight on warfare tactics used by Iranian, Syrian, and Hezbollah forces. While they get insight on the warfare tactics used by the forces I just mentioned, they also get insight on military tactics used by the United States and its Western allies. On top of real-world combat experience, North Korea is also benefiting from selling arms to the Assad regime. This is arguably more important to North Korea because if China were serious on reducing trade and imposing sanctions on North Korea as a result of the recent activity directed at the United States, Japan, and South Korea, they need to look for ways to get money for their struggling economy. And in particular, they need hard foreign currency fast and that includes maintaining and creating arms partnerships particularly through other repressive dictatorial and corrupt regimes using various illicit networks to transport them it is believed that the illicit arms sales of north korea to the middle east are roughly three billion dollars per year and that's only in the middle east north korea has been known to have other arms trading partners with the horn of africa particularly during the eritrean and ethiopian border conflicts as well as the military regime in myanmar Illicit activity makes up 40% of North Korea's economy, and it is estimated that two-thirds of that number comes from arms sales. This is also why many sources believe North Korea conducts so many nuclear missile tests. These missile tests are used as sales pitches to countries like Syria, Iran, Pakistan, and others to be impressed by their progress in their missile program in order to export arms, and it also appears to have worked. North Korea has been known to send some of their nuclear scientists and engineers to help both Syria and Iran develop their nuclear programs. Now, what is North Korea potentially trying to get from the Syrian conflict besides exposure to war strategy and military equipment? North Korea's largest arms customer is Iran, which is Assad's main ally in the region. North Korea has been a major arms trader with Iran since the Gulf War and has been the main financier of North Korea's arm trade. Another idea of why North Korea has such a tight relationship with Iran if you exclude defending Syria and their working progress on nuclear programs is oil. North Korea imports most of its oil from China, and if China, in the unlikely circumstance of cutting trade with North Korea as a result of sanctions, they may have to turn to other sources, and that includes Iran. 
So by North Korea very covertly helping out a longtime ally in Syria, and Syria's biggest ally in Iran, gives North Korea the opportunity to get something else in return, and that is very much needed oil for the country. Now, more of my politically inclined listeners to this podcast may be wondering, why not Russia? Why doesn't Russia come in and prop up little Rocket Man? Putin even said that he was willing to be a mediator between North and South Korea, and was even willing to send an emissary to the North. This is an opportunity for them to regain influence and shift the balance of power in the region, and in particular, be a thorn in the side of the United States. Russia is a superpower that is aligned with Assad in Syria as well as Iran. They're an oil-rich country, they're closer in proximity than Iran, making it easier to transport oil, they share a border, they are already North Korea's second largest trading partner, and have a long history with one another, especially during the Cold War. So why not Russia? I thought the same thing. However, they seem to make a different kind of move. Only a few days ago, Russia decided to impose sanctions on North Korea following the sanctions imposed by the UN Security Council. The other reason why Russia won't prop up North Korea is that they simply can't. They do not have the resources. They themselves are under sanctions from the United States and the EU for their actions in Ukraine, which has crippled their economy and devalued the ruble. So, North Korea, who needs oil desperately to fuel themselves, needs an ally, and that most feasible ally is Iran. Alright, so these are some of the reasons why North Korea has been putting their hands into the Syrian conflict. I hope you learned something from this episode. It was a bit rough once again, but progress is progress. This has been episode 2 of the Marxism podcast on how seriously is North Korea involved. So, Let's keep this Marxism movement going. You for sure don't want to be missing out on what this could become reaching the far ends of the earth and all. So, as always, jokes aside, and thanks for listening.